Guadalupe Radio presents Donancing Guadalupe, the podcast. Fourth chapter, St. Mary of Guadalupe, Builder of a Nation. The strength of the Mexican people lives in the image of a mestizo woman imprinted on the tilma, the cloak of an indigenous man. As soon as the Heavenly Queen gave her mandate, Juan Diego Cuauhtlatoatzin walked with the flowers in his cloak. He was happy following his path straight to Mexico, brimming with joy and hope, his heart calm and at peace, because this time everything was going to be all right, and he would take care of those precious flowers so diverse and fragrant that he carried them in the hollow of his cloak. And he walked rapidly, enjoying the aroma while the wind brushed his face, and that precious, delicious perfume made him happy and gave him confidence and faith, knowing that everything this time was going to be fine. Arriving at the bishop's palace, he was met by the porter, and even by the servants of the ruling priest who had followed him. And looking straight at them, he asked to let him in. I wish to see the governing priest. And why do you want to see him? I gave him my word that I would return with what he asked me for. But you don't have an appointment with the most reverent, illustrious bishop. Whatever you do, Jim, besides, he's very busy. I implore you. I implore you. What are you saying? I don't understand you. Go away. Scram. Scram. He means don't bother us anymore. You, my friend, are unbearable. And truthfully, you are really annoying us with your nonsense and your lies. What do you think, huh? That we only have time for your nonsense? Your silly stuff? Go away and don't bother us anymore, for you are truly getting in the way. Yes, exactly. Go back to your house and don't bother us anymore here. Besides, you're just a big liar. Liar! Liar! Please, I beg you, let me see the ruling priest. But no one agreed. They didn't want to pay attention to him. Perhaps because it was still too early, or maybe because they already knew him and felt envy. Therefore, they pretended they didn't understand him, that he was just an annoyance. They had already spoken to all the servants in the house, telling them what had happened, and of how they had lost sight of him when they tried to follow him. But Juan Diego did not leave, and stayed for a long time, waiting for an answer. And when they saw that he was standing there, waiting for a response from the bishop, sad and rejected, with his head down and doing nothing, just in case he was called, they noticed that apparently he had something in his cloak. So they approached him to see what he was concealing, thus satisfying their curiosity. What are you hiding? Show us. Huh? Show us what you're hiding inside your cloak. No, I can't. 
<laughs> yes, you can. Yes, 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 yes. Have you stolen something? Show us right away, now! I can only show it to the governing bishop. Juan Diego, seeing that it was now impossible to hide the flowers, and that they would continue to bully him and bother him, to push him around, or that perhaps they would beat him up and expel him from the palace, he therefore decided to show them the flowers. Oh, where did you find these beauties? They are so splendid and different. Which is strange, because it's winter. It's not the time for them to be blooming. And look how open they are, huh? Yes, it's absolutely true. Their buds are open and... Ah, what an exquisite aroma. Give me one. You have so many. They're so refined, delicate, and so very beautiful. Yes. Take a few out. Now! Now! And they were very amazed to see how fresh they were, how precious they were, and they longed to snatch them away. And Juan Diego said to himself, They're going to tear them. What can I do? The Holy Mother told me to protect them. I have the mandate of the Holy Queen, and if they break them, I won't be able to fulfill and do what she wishes. What she asked me to do. And not once, but three times they mistreated him and pushed him and dared to grab the flowers. But they failed. Because when they tried to take them, they could no longer see flowers, for they saw them as paintings, as if they were some sort of embroidery or perhaps seams on his cloak. This is very strange, for every time I try to grab a flower, it disappears. And with that, they immediately and respectfully went to tell the ruling bishop what they had seen and how this simple little man who had already seen him so many times, intended to see him again with some pretext of showing him something. And yes, the humble man had been waiting for a long time, for they knew how busy his eminence was. Therefore, they didn't want to bother him with his nonsense. As soon as the ruling bishop heard that, he took it into his heart that this was his sign to accept and acknowledge what the humble man had been requesting. He immediately gave orders to call him and bring him to his room. When Juan Diego entered, he kneeled in his presence as he had done before, and again he told the bishop with all respect and detail what he had seen and admired and reminded him of the celestial queen's holy message. He said, my governing priest, I did, I, I fulfilled what you ordered me to do. I had the honor of communicating your message to the lady, my lady, the heavenly queen of heaven, venerable and precious mother of God, where you asked for a sign, a test of some sort, so that you would be able to believe me and to believe her. And you said that if I brought it back and you would accept it, you would make her little sacred house there where she asked you to build it. I also told her that I had given you my word 
and that I would come back to you to bring you her sign of proof. And she listened to your word and received your request for the sign with pleasure. She listened well to your words, to your request, that she show some proof, a sign of sorts, so that you would believe her and finally execute her will. And today, being still dark, she ordered me to come once more to see you. I asked for the proof to be believed and she immediately complied. She sent me to the summit of the hill where I had seen her before so that I could go and cut different and precious flowers. Flowers like those of Castile. And I went to cut them and then brought them to her. She took them with her holy hands and then put them in the hollow of my cloak. And I brought them to you as she told me to do to deliver them only to you, Lord Bishop. Although I knew that the top of the hill is not a place where flowers grow, since there is only an abundance of cliffs, thistles, thorny plants, wild prickly pears and mesquites. Still, I did not hesitate. I believed her. When I went to reach the top of the hill, I was amazed because I saw that it was now a flowery land. And there they were, sprouting all diverse and precious flowers like the roses of Castile, resplendent with dew, splendid and of the finest that there is, so that I immediately began to cut them. And she asked me to deliver them to you. That way I would fulfill my promise and prove the sign you asked for fulfilling her revered will. So that you can prove that my word is true. Here they are, my proof. Receive them. At that moment, he extended his tilma, in whose hollow were the flowers, and just as the very rare flowers fell to the ground, at that very moment, on his cloak, the precious image of the perfect Holy Blessed Mary Mother of God appeared. And that image is still kept in her beloved house, preserved there in her holy home in the Temple of Tepeyac. As soon as the ruling bishop and all those that were there in the room saw her, they knelt in shock and amazement and then rose to see her deeply and profoundly moved, their hearts converted, and their thoughts saddened for not having believed. And the Reverend Bishop, with sadness, regret, and tears, begged to be forgiven for not having believed her venerable breath and for having put her to the test. He begged to be forgiven for not fulfilling her will and standing up. He untied the cloak from the neck of Juan Diego where the image of the heavenly queen was stamped and immediately the bishop placed her in his oratory. Juan Diego spent a whole day at the bishop's house who made him stay there so that he could rest. The next day, he said, Come, let's go, so that you can show me where the noble celestial lady appeared, so that we can build her temple. The people immediately gathered 
and followed Juan Diego so that he could take them to where the celestial lady had ordered for her sacred temple to be built. After they got there, he told them that he wanted to go home to see his dear uncle, who had been so very seriously ill when he'd left him to call him a priest there in Tlatelolco. The Queen of Heaven had told him that she had already healed him, and he knew that it was true. However, he wanted to see his uncle and be with him. They did not let him go alone. Instead, they accompanied him to the house, and when they arrived, they saw that the uncle, who was very happy, feeling great, with no pain, without fever, and absolutely nothing hurt him. He was feeling extremely healthy and with a great appetite. For his part, he was very surprised to see his nephew accompanied by so many and asked him why he was being so honored by this crowd. Juan Diego responded, When I went out to call the priest to come to you for your last confession and to prepare you for your death, the lady from heaven appeared to me again and sent me back to Mexico as her messenger to see the rolling bishop so that her house would be built on the Tepeyac. She was kind enough to tell me not to worry, that you were fine, that you were happy, relaxed, without fever, totally cured, and with this good news, I was very comforted and relieved, and my heart felt at ease. And his venerable uncle said, Indeed, it is true. She cured me. She showed up when you left, and I gazed at her in the same way that she had appeared to you. A heavenly queen with her mantle like the sky and a warm light, as if she were surrounded by the sun. And she told me how I too should go to Mexico to see the bishop and to tell him everything that I had seen, to explain everything in detail of what I had felt, the marvelous way that she had cured me. And she told me what name she wanted to be known as, what name she should be remembered as, what name she wanted. The always perfect St. Mary of Guadalupe. And immediately, Juan Bernardino was brought into the presence of the ruling bishop to speak with him and to render his testimony. And together with his nephew, Juan Diego, the bishop hosted them for a few days while the revered, sacred house of the heavenly queen was being built there in the Tepeyac. The bishop took the tilma from the oratory of his palace and took it to the main temple so that all the people could see it and admire the wonderful image of the lady from heaven. And the whole city, without missing anyone, trembled with joy when they came to see her, to admire her, to contemplate her. They came to recognize her divine and precious image. They came to her to present their prayers, to speak to her, to make supplications, and to honor her and give her thanks. 
and many admired how with such divine wonder she had appeared, since no man or woman on earth, no person in this world, had painted such a beloved image. One of the greatest miracles of Our Lady of Guadalupe was to unite two opposite worlds, two races that form the identity of the Mexican people. Juan Diego Cuauhtlatoatzin is the first indigenous saint. On July 31st of 2002, Juan Diego was canonized as the first indigenous saint on American soil chosen by the Holy Virgin Mary to give her message. The Church celebrates him on December 9th. The mantle of Our Lady of Guadalupe is one of the most attractive in its image, since it represents heaven. It has 46 stars, which form the position of the constellation that occupied the sky on December 12th of 1531. Dr. Jose Asta Tunzman, the Peruvian engineer, an expert in computer digitization, studied the eyes of the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe with a magnification of 2,500 times and was able to identify up to 13 individuals in one eye and 12 in the other, just as the human eye would reflect an image. It seemed to be as if it had captured the exact moment in which Juan Diego unfolded the tilma before Fray Juan de Sumarraga. Each year during the last minutes of December 11th and the first minutes of December 12th, millions of faithful sing the song Las Mañanitas, which translates to Little Mornings. This is the morning song the one King David used to sing. Because it is your saints' day, we sing the song here to thee. Las Mañanitas is a traditional song that dates back to 1896, when it originated in Zacatecas, Mexico. Mexicans sing it to honor a loved one on their birthday, their name day, or saints' day. And it is also sung on other important holidays, such as Mother's Day, and lastly, the feast day of Our Lady of Guadalupe. The faithful sing it to the Virgin Mary as a sign of the deep love that they have for her, to the Blessed Tonantzin, also known as the Queen of Mexico and Queen of the Americas. Estas son las mañanitas que cantaba el Rey David Hoy por ser día de tu santo, te las cantamos aquí. Despierta, mi bien, despierta, mira que ya amaneció. Ya los pajaritos cantan, la luna ya se metió. Qué linda está la mañana. En que vengo a saludarte, venimos todos con gusto y placer a felicitarte. El día en que tú naciste, nacieron todas las flores, 
Y en la pila del bautismo cantaron los ruiseñores. Ya viene amaneciendo, ya la luz del día nos dio. Levántate de mañana, mira que ya amaneció. Si yo pudiera bajarte las estrellas y un lucero para poder demostrarte lo mucho que yo te quiero con jazmines y flores este día quiero adornar hoy por ser día de tu santo te venimos a cantar. End of the final chapter. Donancing Guadalupe the podcast is an original production by Guadalupe Radio. Theological advisor, Father Roberto Figueroa. With special performances by Sal Lopez, Ari Dario, Maricel Carrero. Jesús Nebot, Efraín Figueroa, Andrés Londono, and Denise Plasor. Soprano, Juliet Plasor. Graphic designer, Marta Naranjo. Recording by Gerardo Nevarez and Rafael Valdez. Editor, Ramón Velarde. Original music by Maestro Marcos Loya and Juliet Plasor. Script, Production, and Direction, Denise Plasor. Executive Producer and Director, René Heredia. Donancing Guadalupe, the podcast. All rights reserved.